Hey everyone and welcome to Ultimate Fighting Podcast. I'm your host Justin Henson. So this week we're going to talk about UFC 235 and what happened last night. There's a lot to talk about with that. And then we're going to get into some smaller hot topics and news this week. Um, a lot of kind of congratulations type deals to people. And then we'll talk about this upcoming week's fight night on ESPN Plus on March 3rd. So for the fight pass early prelims, I actually missed a few minutes of that because I showed up to the bar a little bit, like a few minutes late. But it started off really well with a women's strawweight fight between Poliana Viana and Hannah Cyphers. Hannah Cyphers ended up picking up a split decision, 29-28, Viana ended up winning the second round from the bottom, keeping Hannah in close and preventing Hannah from striking. And when they were on the ground during the second round, you could see how long Viana, uh, Poliana's legs were compared to Hannah's. And all I could think about at that point was that her coaches need to teach her how to use a body triangle. Because if she could get a body triangle locked in and utilize it really well, she could end up she could end up being a menace on there and controlling her opponents like way better than she already is. And it definitely improve her uh, fighting. The third round was close, but Hannah ended, uh, ended up taking it, landing more strikes, and with octagon control. I missed the first round, so I don't have any useful information on the first round. But congratulations to Hannah for taking that one. Then we moved on to a Wynnum, women's bantamweight fight between Macy Chiasan and Gina Mazzani. Macy ended up just coming out running uh, Gina down with strikes from the absolute get-go, non-stop. She ended up picking up a round one TKO, one minute, 49 seconds in. And it was, she was relentless with it. From there, the main event of the pre-prelims was a middleweight bout between Edmund Shaibazan and Charles Bird. I picked Charles Bird to win this because I've seen him fight a lot and I thought he was going to win. Bird ended up going for a takedown and Edmund defended it, defended it. While defending the takedown, he was throwing elbows to Charles Bird's face and Bird eventually just dropped front and gave up on the takedown. And Edmund kept, you know, doing some ground and pound until the ref called it. 38 seconds into the first for a TKO victory for Edmund Shibazon. Beautiful takedown defense. Nice thought process to throw the elbows while, do the, while defending the takedown as well. It's actually really nice looking. So from there, we go to our ESPN for our prelim, our normal prelim fights. And we started off from the get-go just with big, big fights. 
with a welterweight bout between Diego the Nightmare Sanchez versus Mickey Gall. I've always, always wanted Diego Sanchez to win a fight, mainly because I have seen this guy go to war with people. Um, One of the earliest fights I remember so vividly is Diego Sanchez versus BJ Penn at UFC 107. That's because that was one of the only events so far my dad and I have actually gone to. And I remember that was an all-out war between those two. And Diego ended up getting cut above his right eye. A huge gash, like inch and a half, two-inch gash, was just bleeding profusely. And Diego was still just going at it, like, um, never stopping. But in this fight, I went with a younger guy, Mickey Gall, who kind of, during this fight, I was looking at him and he reminded me of Taylor Lautner a little bit, just with his face. Now, during this fight, you could see the experience of Diego Sanchez really was the deciding factor in this. Diego Sanchez pushed the pace, went for the grappling, went for the wrestling, um, just completely out-grapples Mickey Gall to the mat, um, does ground and pound. Mickey Gall tries for these just weird and odd transitions and weird and odd ways to get back to the stand-up. They're very inefficient as Diego pushes all his weight on him and just He'll just box him up. You know, you want to do this weird transition? Okay, I'll take your feet and I'll put them here and we're, we're going to do this. Um, it, uh, it looks like Mickey Gall needs some more work on his wrestling and grappling game. In between now and his next fight, Diego Sanchez picks up a TKO victory, 4 minutes, 13 seconds into the second round and it was just straight ground and pound from Diego Sanchez and absolutely brutal this was Diego's first finish since 2008 almost 11 years depending on what time in 2008 it was but 10 or 11 years since the first time Diego has finished anyone. And he looked like an absolute monster in there against Mickey Gall. He also came in just looking ridiculously cut. So from there, we go to a bantamweight bout between number 12, Cody Spartan Stammon. Versus number 13, Alejandro Turbo Perez. Overall, it was a really close fight. Um, it, for the most part, it was a lot of strikes. Stammen ended up landing more strikes throughout the fight. It ended up picking a unanimous decision. 29, I believe it was 29-28 or 30-27. I forget now. He picked up a unanimous decision victory, though. Then we go to a light heavyweight bout between number 14, Misha Serkunov, and number 15, Johnny Walker. 
fan favorite already, Johnny Walker, came into this fight. And Misha comes, you know, in and comes at Johnny. And Johnny just jumps and throws a flying knee that catches Misha and drops him. Then Johnny throws hammer fist until Herb calls the fight. 35 seconds into the first round. And then, of course, Johnny Walker does his worm and post-fight celebration that he does every time. Except this time it was a little different. There, He possibly pulled his shoulder out or injured his shoulder. Um, hopefully he's okay. Hopefully we'll see him back in there again. He's definitely got some hype going on him. He's definitely super excited when he gets in there and fights. I think it's a little too much of antics, but he's a good fighter. And we'll see where he goes from here. And then we got into one of the most heated fights so far tonight. The main event of the prelims. A featherweight bout between number six, Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens, and number 13, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. So in the first round, Zabit accidentally kicked Jeremy in the groin. Um, in the second round, Jeremy pushed Zabit after the end of the second. I, I don't know why. I didn't really see anything that warranted a pushing at the end of the round. Jeremy was, I guess, just getting upset because he was losing the fight. And uh, pretty obviously, you know, it was a close fight, but Zabit was really just taking it, landing more strikes. Um, he was dodging some occasionally and just kind of outperformed Jeremy on this one. And... Little Heathen was really upset, like super extra upset, and I don't exactly know why. Um, there was some heat somewhere in this between these two that I clearly missed. But Zabit picks up a unanimous decision, 29-28. It was a really good fight. It was a really good showcasing for Zabit. Unfortunately for Jeremy, he picks up another loss. I don't know where he quite goes from here and who he faces from here yet. We'll see um, once the rankings come out. Hopefully, you know, we just see Zabit move up from here and get some tougher and tougher competition. The featherweight division is really stacked right now. Super stacked. And then we start off the UFC 235 pay-per-view with an absolute slugfest of a fight between Bantamweight number two Cody Garbrandt and number nine Pedro Munoz. If I recall, I think I went with Cody. I I can't quite remember. I'd have to go back and check. Um, just because I thought Cody really needed a pick up a win after losing to TJ two times in a row. And so I thought he was really going to go out there for it. And, you know, he, he really did. Both guys were throwing absolute haymakers in this fight. Um, both guys landed super solid strikes and both guys were rocked several times. Pedro was bleeding 
Cody got the first, uh, ended up knocking Pedro down first, and they, he got back up, and Cody got knocked down, rocked, and went pretty back and forth. Pedro ended up fish, finishing the fight, though, with a powerful hook, and then a couple more shots on the ground before Mark Goddard called the fight. Four minutes, 52 seconds into the first round, TKO victory for Pedro Munoz. This also puts Cody three losses in a row now, um, which is kind of concerning. But the fact that the first two losses were against the champion, TJ, it do, it isn't quite as concerning. I mean, we've seen Joanna in this same position now. Hopefully, Cody can kind of bounce back from it a little bit better than Joanna has and pick up a victory in his next fight. I don't know exactly who I think Cody should fight next. Um, but I, whoever it is, it's going to end up being an absolute crazy fight. Cody has unbelievable strength. <laughs> See him um, maybe fighting Rafael Sun Sal, Dominic Cruz. Uh, well, Dominique's kind of out for now. Um, but Rafael, Aljamain Sterling would be good. I bet you Aljamain would take that fight. Because if he beats the former champion, that puts him a lot closer to getting a title shot. And, you know, Cody Garbrandt is a really good fighter. If you beat Cody Garbrandt, you're definitely getting up towards the top to get a title shot. Then we have a women's strawweight bout between number seven, Tisha Torres, and number 15, Wiley Zhang. Um, this was a really, really good fight. Wiley Zhang looked super impressive. She didn't look like someone that should, that should be ranked 15. She looks like someone that should actually be ranked higher. Um, she, she walked into this fight with an 18-1 and record. And that first, that one loss was her very first fight, and since then she's been on a win streak of now uh, an 18-fight win streak coming into this fight. In the second round, uh, Tisha had the top position, but Wiley definitely won it, pulling Tisha in close, hitting her with strikes. Um, both these ladies ended up, you know, ended up being bruised up by the end of the fight. Um, Tisha was, you know, you could really see her strength because there was a point in the fight where Wiley Zhang went for a rear naked choke while standing. And so Tisha was holding Zhang up on her back. And, you know, for, I want to say it was at least a good minute, minute. It could have been 30 seconds. It seemed like a really long time while it was happening. But, you know, Ended up getting out of it while standing up. Wiley Zhang just ended up getting a little bit more in than Tisha. Ended up beating Tisha from the uh, bottom position in the second round. Zhang looked super impressive. Some really good strikes. Zhang ended up picking up a unanimous decision victory. 29-28, 30-27, 30-27.
And then we move into a welterweight bout, a somewhat controversial fight for the night. I don't think it's as controversial as people are making it out to be. But we have a welterweight bout between former champion number six, ruthless Robbie Lawler versus newcomer Ben Funky Askren. So Robbie ends up uh, rocking Ben early in the fight. Like within the first 30 seconds, he rocks Ben and keeps hitting him pretty hard. Of course, Robbie always hits hard. Um, Ben ends up getting bloodied up, but later, you know, wrestles him back up and makes it through the storm of Robbie's fist. And Ben um, manages to be able to wrestle him up against the cage and eventually get him into a headlock. So Lawler's hand uh, goes limp for a couple seconds and falls off of Ben's head and touches the mat. Herb Dean comes over and checks his hand, and Lawler's hand doesn't fall back to the mat, but he kind of attempts to give a thumbs up, but the thumbs up is like super close, like only a couple inches from his chest and not in a good spot where Herb can see it. Um, Whether there was a verbal confirmation from Robbie to Herb saying, hey, I'm good, I don't know. I would assume there's not because I can't imagine Herb calling this fight if there was a verbal confirmation. Now, a lot of people are saying this fight should not have been stopped because Lawler wasn't out. And there's some people saying that Lawler should have won this fight earlier in the fight. So let's go and look at the the Lawler should have won this fight earlier and it should have been a TKO victory like at the beginning. If Herb would have called this fight for Lawler at the beginning, everyone would be whining early stoppage. Then, you know, we'd see the same thing we've seen with TJ and with many others where everyone whines early stoppage. And I don't I don't think it should have been stopped then. And then later, um, whenever this whole situation with the limp arm and the possible thumbs up happened. So here's the thing. Before the fight starts, the ref, being Herb in this case, goes back there, talks to the guys. Hey, this is what I'm expecting from you during the fight. You know, whether that be whether Herb said, hey, I'm expecting a verbal confirmation or a thumbs up like right here in my face telling me you're good. The fighters know what what they're supposed to do to make sure the fight keeps going. So if they don't do that, then that's not on Herb. That's on Mahler. So if you're upset about this fight being called that's on Lawler. That's not on Herb. You know, Herb sees the arm goes limp. Herb goes over there and checks the arm and makes sure that, you know, Law- to see if Lawler's okay. When you pick up an arm, you can tell if it's limp. You know, whether or not he picked it up and felt that it was limp, I don't know. But 
So for this case, this situation, Herb did everything he should have, everything he was supposed to, and this was on Mahler. You know, it was 100% on Lawler in this situation. So, Dana wants to do a rematch between Lawler and Askren. Um, in the post-fight, Askren said he thinks he should get the winner between Till and Masvidal next. I think seeing Askren versus Till would actually be a really good fight. A really, really good fight. Um, Asker versus Masvidal would be a really good fight as well. So from there, we jump to the co-main event. And probably the biggest upset of the night. We see the welterweight title defended between the welterweight champion Tyrone, the chosen Wood Woodley, and Kamaru. Marty from Nebraska, or the Nigerian Nightmare, Usman. He kind of looked like both tonight, because Marty from Nebraska is a huge, has this huge wrestling background. and He also really looked like absolute nightmare to Tyrone Woodley. I don't know where Tyrone Woodley was during this fight, because Tyrone Woodley was not in this fight. Um, I have to agree with Ben Askren on this, because... During the first round, Usman, you know, um, tries to go for a takedown. They end up in a clinch up against the cage for like the rest of the first round. And my initial thought was, who told you that the game plan was to try and wrestle with a guy that has a 97% takedown defense accuracy? And then they proceeded to prove me wrong the rest of the fight as Usman wrestled and grappled and ground-pounded on Woodley for the remaining five ra remaining four rounds. It was an absolute demolishment of a champion. If you're a challenger fighting for a title, and you're not going to get pick up a knockout or a submission, and... You, you know, you're going to the judges' scorecard. You want your fight to look like this. This is a prime example as a challenger of what you want your fight to look at. Because there was like no offense whatsoever from Woodley during this fight. It was all Kamaru Usman on this. And there was one round, I forget which round, during this fight that would be like a 10-8 round and I am I have never gonna given a 10-8 round to a challenger for a title fight then we have the main event between champion John Bones Jones and challenger Anthony Lionheart Smith so this was pretty much a one-sided fight um, in the fourth round, there was an illegal head kick and an illegal knee. John did get a two-point deduction because of this, and they gave Anthony, uh, you know, they asked Anthony if he wanted to continue or if he wanted to take the win. Anthony said he didn't want to take the win, though, and he would keep fighting. 
Um, a lot of people were confused about this decision, but no one wants to take the easy way and take the DQ win to get the title. One, it's kind of messed up, and two, um, if he did, everyone would be whining about the fact that he won the title based off of a DQ and how that's kind of messed up. For the most part, though, uh, John Bones Jones easily had this fight won. You could clearly see John Bones Jones feeling much more himself during this fight than he did during his fight against Gus. And it kind of, um, as I was seeing stuff over the weekend and leading up to it, everyone was calling this the return of John Bones Jones. What I thought was funny because Jones fought like six weeks ago. Or, yeah, like six or eight weeks ago against Gustafson. And that was his return. But in a way, this kind of was the return of John Bones Jones because in that Gus fight, Jones looked really, really rusty. And in this fight against Anthony Smith, he looked a lot more like himself with his re- uh, with his wrestling, his grappling, the dirty boxing, um, the unorthodox striking of Jones. And it, it was a really good fight from Jones. It was very one-sided, though. Ended up being a unanimous decision, 48-44. Would have been 50-44 if he did not get the two-point deduction. Um, Also, funny thing is, John Bones Jones and Anthony Smith are the same height at 6'4", but Jones has an 8, still had an 8.5-inch reach advantage over Smith, which is absolutely crazy to think about. So some bonuses for the night. Um, performance of the night goes to Johnny Walker and Diego Sanchez for their fights. And then fight of the night goes to Pedro Munoz and Cody Garbrandt for their absolute slugfest of a fight. So let's go ahead and jump into some hot topics and news for this week. Um, strawweight Mackenzie Dern announces her pregnancy earlier this week. So she's actually going to be kind of taking a little leave of, of absence from the UFC for a little while while you know she goes to have a kid. Um, and because of this, this is why Wiley Zhang was actually ranked number 15 coming into this week. Um, congratulations, Mackenzie. Happy for you. Um, hope everything goes well, and hopefully we'll see you back next year. And hopefully we'll you know get to see your baby when you come back too. Um, some sad news is Mirko Krokop announces his retirement after having a stroke earlier this week. Um, Krokop has fought in so many different promotions, had so many different fights with a lot of big names. He's had a lot of KOs, been KO'd a lot. Um, He's fought in Pride, Bellator, and the UFC. Um, There might be more that are smaller in that I don't know about. Uh, But congratulations on your retirement, Crow Cop. You've been doing it for a long time now. Um, sorry, 
had to come this way, though. So Paige Van Zandt was pulled from UFC her UFC 236 fight with Poliana Boteo. Um, Paige Van Zandt announced earlier this week that she broke her arm again. I haven't seen any official word on how long she'll be out yet, but she's definitely not going to be fighting in April. Probably a little bit longer than that as she has to now rehab her arm again. She broke it last year. I don't remember what what time of the year, but she broke it last year and once again broke it. Um, get better, Paige fans, and hopefully we'll see you back in there soon. So one of our hot topics related to the fights this week, Colby Covington post uh, the press conference, the workouts and being at the fight. Colby just looked really silly, especially at the pre-fight press conferences. Um, And we're going to talk more about this when we talk about our next thing too. But, you know, Colby, uh, you messed up. You messed up on so many situations. So, first off, you want a title shot. Now, if you fought Kamaru, I'm telling you now, Kamaru Usman will whoop you just like he did Tyrone. He will whoop you. But all this acting a clown and stuff, oh, I'm the champ. I'm the people's champ. No, you're not. Okay, you were stripped of your interim title and interim title at that. Um, and nowhere in your contract did it say you were guaranteed a title shot because you messed up. All people fighting for an interim title, listen to me when I tell you this. And, and, you know, Dustin, Holloway. When you get an interim title shot, you need to make sure in your contract, it says you are guaranteed a title shot, a unification bout between the champion. Otherwise, there's no guarantee you're ever getting that. You're just going to have in the books that you are the interim champion. And that doesn't really mean much nowadays. It means very little nowadays. There's only a few situations where I think an interim title makes any sense. And, you know, so Colby, there's only one person to be upset at here, and it's yourself. But I would not be upset to watch Kumaru destroy you in a fight. I want it. Um, it. You looked super, super silly this weekend. And somehow some fans thought you looked decent with all this nonsense. And I don't understand that. Because it looked super goofy. Now... A lot of people don't understand why Tony Ferguson decided not to take the interim lightweight title shot. Do y'all remember what Tony Ferguson was this time last year? He was the interim lightweight champion. 
he was stripped of the interim lightweight title because he got injured. Because you don't have an interim title to an interim title because that'd be weird. And he got stripped of his interim lightweight title. And after he had logically already proven he deserved a title shot, what happens? You give a title shot to Conor McGregor. So, already, like, why would he want another interim shot? And on top of that, you make him fight for another number one contender fight. Because it was basically a number one contender fight. And then you want to offer him another interim lightweight title? No. Give Tony a contract that says he gets a title shot. He doesn't want an interim title shot because he was already interim lightweight champion. And that was taken away from him. And he was put... He had... He got moved to the... You know, he got moved down the list because his name wasn't Conor McGregor. It's just... It doesn't make any sense. Tony should be the next person to fight for the lightweight title. It's the bottom line. That's that's all there is about it. So, this week's a little bit lighter on the news and hot topics. That's all we really have this week. Oh, wait. Let's go and talk about John Jones a little bit more. So people understand this. Um, he failed two of his... He tested positive on two of his pre-fight tests. Yes, he still gets the fight because that's the decision the UFC, USADA, Nevada, California State Athletic Commission, Nevada State Athletic Commission have all made. Is it right? I don't think so, but I, I don't know. But... All the science I have seen so far says no, it's not right. He says no, he shouldn't be able to fight. He says no, this makes zero sense. Um, but we'll see if he, you know, if after July he magically stops testing positive for it, then okay, fine. I'll admit I was wrong, and yeah, it has this magic pulsing effect that only works for these two drugs, like ever. Um, so uh, until then he still gets to fight unless it pops up at like 200 picograms. John still gets to fight. They're not going to suspend him one because he doesn't get any more suspensions. He just gets, okay, you don't get to fight in the UFC anymore. So he doesn't get any more suspensions. Um, and so yeah, you're just. I don't know why we're still writing articles about him testing, um, about him passing drug tests. It seems kind of silly, and it bring it is not good publicity at all. But whatever. So let's go ahead and do some predictions real quick on UFC on ESPN Plus this upcoming Saturday, March 9th. This one's going to be regular time. None of this morning stuff. None of this later at night stuff. So, 
The main card starts off with a middleweight battle between Tim Boach and Omari Akhmadov. I'm going with Tim Boach on this one. Then we have a lightweight bout between Vinil Dariush and Drew Dober. And I'm going Dariush on that one. Um, then we have a heavyweight bout between Blagoy Ivan Ivanov and Ben Rothwell. I'm going with Ben on this one. Then welterweight Tim Means versus Nico Price. I have a hard time deciding between these two. I think I'm going to pick Tim Means for this one. Um, I can see it going either way. Um, I can see myself picking either guy. I have a hard time picking this one, but I'm going to go with Tim Means. Then we have a welterweight bout between number 13, Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos versus Curtis Millender. I'm going Millender on this one all the way. And then our main event for this card is a heavyweight bout between number three, Derek Lewis, and number nine, JDS, Junior Dos Santos. And I'm going uh, JDS on this. I think JDS has, you know, the skill, the cardio, everything it takes to put Lewis away. And JDS really needs to climb back up that ladder if he ever wants another title shot because he's been slowly, slowly slipping down that ladder over the years. Um, but that's, you know, these actually should be some really decent fights for a fight night. It's going to be on ESPN Plus, and the prelims are going to be on ESPN Plus as well. You know, normal, regular Saturday night time. But we'll be back next Sunday. Um, I'm still working on the John Jones, like uh, the, the first legacy episode with John Jones. Should have it either sometime, maybe tonight, Monday or Tuesday released. Go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Ultimate Fighting Podcasts, uh, Twitter at UFP2019. Listen on iTunes, Google Podcasts. Spotify, give us some feedback, rating, five-star, like, follow. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you all next Sunday to talk more fights. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.